Hi, and welcome to That's Ruddy Mysterious, a podcast of short tales about true mysteries. What happened to the Flannan Isles Lightkeepers? Who was responsible for the Gardner Museum heist? I'm not going to solve those mysteries, but they'll be interesting to learn about. I'm your host, Kelly with an I. Transcripts for all episodes can be found at thatsruddymysterious.wordpress.com. No apostrophe and no exclamation point. Today's tale is about the Plymouth mail truck robbery. On August 14, 1962, a group of unknown perpetrators pulled off what was at the time the largest cash heist of all time. The press dubbed this heist the Great Plymouth Mail Truck Robbery. Patrick Skeena was driving the mail truck from Cape Cod to the Federal Reserve in Boston, Massachusetts. William Barrett was along as the guard. The truck was carrying $1,551,227 in small bills. Today, that would be worth over $15.5 million. The truck was en route three in Plymouth, Massachusetts, when it first came upon a busty blonde woman who was redirecting traffic. Then they came upon two men dressed as police officers. The two men were carrying submachine guns. The truck was then blocked off with cars so it couldn't drive away. The men tied up Patrick Skeena and William Barrett. Barrett said of the heist, They told us to keep quiet. Then we were tied up. We just sat there. They weren't wearing masks, but we couldn't see their faces too well. During the heist, one of the robbers answered to the nickname Buster. The robbers then took control of the truck. Skeena and Barrett said the truck drove around for about 90 minutes, stopping at various places. The robbers were dropping off the money at different locations. After that, the robbers abandoned the truck with the driver and guard still tied up inside. The pair were left in Randolph, Massachusetts, along Route 128, which was about 25 miles from where the truck was initially stolen. For five years, the FBI and the U.S. Postal Inspection Service searched for leads throughout New England. There was an alarming lack of evidence. The authorities were desperate for information, so they offered a reward of $150,000, or 10% of the amount stolen, for any information that led to the conviction of the perpetrators. At the same time, the Postmaster General had issued a reward in the amount of $50,000, so the total reward that could have been collected for information leading to a conviction was $200,000. The authorities said that the killing of the suspect in an attempted apprehension would be considered a conviction for the purposes of the reward. Because of the rewards issued, many innocent people were accused, with the media deeming each of them guilty without any evidence. As the five-year statute of limitations approached, the Postal Inspectorate and the Department of Justice increased their surveillance and harassment of all known robbers in the area. The police had two main suspects, John Joseph Kelly, who also went by Red Kelly, and George Augustiolis, who also went by Billier. They were two very well-known New England area criminals. Red Kelly was born on June 3, 1914, and died on February 10, 2000. He was a putative mobster associated with the Patriarcha crime family. He was a robber and a hitman whose nickname was Swiss Watch because of the methodical way he plotted his robberies. His other nickname was St. John due to his reputed patience. The first time Red was arrested was on May 24, 1954, because he allegedly had in his possession 16 stolen $1 bills. 
The serial numbers on the bills matched serial numbers of bills stolen from a bank two months earlier. He was tried for both robbing the bank and being in receipt of stolen property. Rudd's trial ended in a mistrial in 1955. At his retrial, the judge said that Rudd couldn't have been guilty of both robbing the bank and being in receipt of stolen property, so the jury had to pick one or the other. The jury convicted Rudd of the lesser of the two charges, being in receipt of stolen property, and sentenced him to 22 months in prison. The authorities were not the only people that believed Rudd was involved in the Plymouth mail truck robbery. Boston mobster Vincent Teresa was the lieutenant to mob boss Raymond Patriarca. He wrote in his book, My Life in the Mafia, that Red planned the robbery. Red was heavily investigated for the heist. He was quoted in Newsweek as saying that the inspectors had harassed my wife and frightened my Siamese cats. Red eventually sued the postal inspector, saying that he had lied to gain entrance into the Kelly home by telling Red's wife that Red had an outstanding warrant for his arrest. Red also sued the postal inspector for slander for telling Red's wife that Red was the perpetrator of the Plymouth mail truck heist. Just 14 days before the statute of limitations was up, on July 30, 1967, a federal grand jury indicted two men and one woman of robbing the mail truck. John J. Kelly, a.k.a. Red, a.k.a. Jack, Thomas R. Richards, a.k.a. Thomas R. Baghdadlian, and Patricia D'Afurio, were all indicted for their alleged involvement. Richards, Kelly, and Diafario were all released on bail and heavily surveilled. The U.S. Marshals searched their houses. In Kelly's home, authorities found $350 in cash, bulletproof vests, and a 45 caliber firearm. Of the three people who were indicted, one disappeared before the trial and was never found. Thomas Richards was not only one of the accused, but also a key witness in the other cases. The authorities suspect he was murdered by his associates to prevent him from testifying against them. Patricia was accused of being the big-bosomed blonde that was redirecting traffic off the highway. The government called 13 witnesses at the trial. The defense didn't call a single one. At the trial, Patricia's lawyer, Joseph Ballarou, asked her to wear a tight sweatshirt and turn sideways so a witness could identify her. He asked the witness, does she have a big bosom? To which the witness replied, no. As unconventional as this defense was, it paid off. The eyewitness was unable to identify her, saying that he might have been mistaken in his estimation of bust size. Patricia and Red were acquitted at trial due to Thomas Richard's absence. It only took the jury an hour to deliberate. Red later went on to be involved in the 1968 Boston Brinks holdup. Eventually, he testified against the mob boss and joined the witness protection program. He died of natural causes on February 10, 2000, in the witness protection program. Over 60 years after the Plymouth mail truck robbery, authorities seem no closer to solving this mystery. Who planned and executed the Plymouth mail truck robbery? Was the Patriarcha mob family involved? How have the perpetrators gotten away with it for so long? What do you think? If you're listening on Spotify, scroll down and let me know what you think. Thanks for listening to today's episode of That's Ruddy Mysterious. I'm your host, Kelly with an I. 
If you enjoyed this episode, leave a review and follow That's Ready Mysterious to be updated about new episodes. Tune in next Tuesday for another thought-provoking tale.